Hi, I'm Sally Lucas. Our staff provide the best value for your holiday experience. Contact us today on 49298600 or visit our website travelonking.com.au to create your dream. Sally Lucas joining us as we talk travel for our sponsor, Travel on King. Sally, you always love going to Paris, don't you? I do. I do too. And France in general, actually. But Paris is still one of my favourite cities, of course. I think a lot of people would agree with that too, I think. And I think, you know, like everywhere in the world these days, a lot of people are, are feeling, you know, the pinch, I suppose, with what's been happening with, with terrorism, etc. But, of course, life goes on and we still travel and I think – what's happening everywhere now, as in the UK and, and France, that everything has become more secure. There's more security around, but don't let that frighten you. It's there to make you safe. And also you will find now going into a lot of the major buildings, museums, etc. I mean, some of them had already had bag searches, but you'll notice that that will be another piece of security. But it's all about keeping everybody safe so that we can still travel to these wonderful destinations. So I just thought we'd talk today a little bit about Markets, because markets anywhere in Europe, I think, are so special and so wonderful. Mm. And they're, they're so old. Now, the Paris markets can be traced back to around the 5th century, at the time when the city was called Lutetia. And its first market was called Palou, and it was located in the Ile de la Cité district. So it started from then, and eventually other markets continued to blossom. And by 1860... Palou had eventually disappeared by then, well and truly, but there were 51 markets but just by 1860. And then with the reopening of the Enfant Rouge, which is the oldest covered market in Paris, um, this is all now that they've got up to 90 markets now of all shapes, sizes and specialties. So um, take your pick. So 69 of them are open-air markets and you've got 13 covered markets selling everything under the sun. And usually you'll find really high quality products and merchants who exhibit a real level of professionalism that's often handed down through the family from dad and mum to the children and so on who, who carry on. One of them I hadn't heard of, the one of these suppliers is called a costermonger. And I looked up the definition and it's, it's chiefly um, a, a British white person or it refers to British who sells fruit, vegetables, fish or other goods from a cart or barrow or stand in the streets. So, That's very specific, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But then, of course, as you know, Jane, you've got butchers, delicatessen, sorry, fishmongers, poultry people, dairy people, uh, florists, everything fresh. Just It just always looks so beautiful. Um, your covered markets are usually permanently open, whereas your open-air markets sometimes only operate two or three mornings a week, and generally from early in the morning, say around 7 to about maybe 2.30. Um, but for late rises, there are some afternoon markets as well. But if you go in onto the website of discoverfrance.net, and you'll find uh, an article there on your outdoor and covered markets in Paris, because it's quite it lists them all by arrondissement. So depending on where you're staying, you'll be able to look up a market that's near you, but even if it's not it's nice just to hop on the train or the bus and go to wherever the markets are. Um, so markets, wonderful things to do. One that I love, it's sort of like a almost permanent market, I guess, is the Rue Montaguerre, which is just near Les Halles. It's on the, the right bank, um, which is sort of near lots of other things. It's near the, not far from the Pompidou Centre as well and it's a lovely little street that's just a pedestrian street and it's it's been going again for many 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 years and it has some of the best meat and fish markets in the city and also renowned pastry shops. 
I dare say there's a coffee shop there too where oh, you can... Oh, I've had, I've had many a coffee there, I tell you, Jane. Um, one of them, though, is called La Maison Stora, and apparently it's been there, I think, for, oh, as my reading on this, a very long time anyway. And you can, uh, yes, the oldest and most prestigious of Paris's pastry shops. And it features the world's, houses the world-class pastries, including the original Baba Rum as well, mm. which they export all over the world. Oh. Isn't that amazing? The original shop dates back to 1730, so it's been going for quite some time. But there's lots of lovely little eateries, there's bars, there's everything you can imagine in that street. And I eventually came across this street when I read the book Almost French by, is it Sarah Turnbull from memory? Mm-hmm. The English journalist who ended up marrying a Frenchman. And she lived here and just loved this little street and loved going down and got to know, of course, all, all the providors that were there and that was where she did her shopping. And it's just fabulous. Um, and other than that, Jane, we can move on, if you like, um, to museums. Have we got time or do we want to save that for another? Or we bit? could save them up till our next Could we save that? Segment. Yeah, but markets, make sure you do try and visit some of Paris's markets. And the other thing I should mention too, there's still some of the original covered passageways, Les Passages. There's not that many of them left, but there are a few. And just Google that one as well, and there's some beautiful covered passages that have quaint shops and little cafes and restaurants in them as well. Sally Lucas, we've been wandering around the markets of Paris, and now we're looking at going inside to some of the museums. There are some wonderful museums. There are, and we always know about the more popular ones, but of course there's lots of others in Paris. If you again do your Google, but there's a museum for just about everything, whether it's language or you know, engineering or, you know, for people who have specific interests, as well as of course, you know, we all know about the Louvre and Which is called a museum too. Yes, the exactly. Museum, whereas we would think of it as an art gallery. Yes, but it, it is, is a museum. museum. And when I went a couple of years ago, I was trying to go to um, places I hadn't been before. You know, we've done the Notre Dame and you've done the Eiffel Tower. You know, all the usual things that you do when you first go to Paris. And one of the ones we went to was the Cluny Museum. Now, it's really interesting. It's on the left bank. It's in, near the sort of Sorbonne area, Boulevard Saint-Michel, that area. And it's medieval. And it's a Gothic house, which was the home of a medieval bishop. And it's built in the, uh, the 1400s on top of partially ruined Roman baths that date back to 200 AD. And the baths are still open for visit. Fascinating place. It really was. Most interesting. In the early 1500s, it became the home of Mary Tudor as well. So there, it's got some history, hasn't it? And then after that, there was a gentleman called Alexandre du Sommerard, and he moved in there in the 1800s, bringing with him his medieval art. And he had an incredible collection until his, his death only about uh, 10 years later. But the city of Paris recognised the value of the building and the collection and purchased both and opened the Cluny as a museum. And it really is fascinating. You've got a chance to go and have a look. I thought it was most interesting. You're going way, way down into the depths, you know, to where these Roman baths were. And you think you're stepping in something that goes back to 200 AD. It, it is Quite amazing. Mm. Um, the other thing over on that side as well, on the left bank, we went to a church called the Église Saint-Sulpice. And that was, again, in the similar area, all around this Boulevard Saint-Michel area, Latin Quarter sort of area. And it was a fascinating church, a beautiful church. And we were lucky enough when we went in there, there was a choir rehearsing from students from all over the world under an English conductor. Oh, my God, the acoustics. I had goosebumps. I'm getting them again now, just remembering how beautiful it was. And you can often have this happen when you just walk into a church. There's something happening. They 
don't use them just for religious purposes. There's often concerts and, you know, chorale events happening, etc. And it was also the church used in the Da Vinci Code uh, movie that was there as well. Uh, so that's quite interesting in itself. And the other place, which I'm sure people might have heard, heard of, is Shakespeare and Co. Bookstore. And that goes back many, many years. All the famous writers were there. And it's this wonderful little old building with rickety stairs you go up. And it's got a collection of old books as well as new books. And it's open daily from 10 in the morning to 11 at night. You'll find with a lot of the museums, remember that a lot of them are shut on Tuesdays as one of the days, just to let you know that. The other one you might like to go to is Musée de l'Orangerie, which is in the Tuileries Gardens, which is where, of course, Monet's exhibition and his magnificent water lilies are if you haven't got time to go out to Giverny. And it's also shut on Tuesdays. Um, the Musée d'Orsay, again, is a wonderful museum on the left bank if you're in, into Impressionist artists particularly. It's a fabulous um, museum slash art gallery. And it's closed on Mondays, just to be different. But it is open until 9pm on thir- uh, Thursdays. The Louvre is open 9 till 6pm, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, closed Tuesdays. And Wednesday and Friday, it's open until 9.45 at night. Don't forget, you've, of course, got the Eiffel Tower, which is open daily until quite late. I think the last time to climb the stairs is about 9.30 because it shuts about midnight or 1 o'clock and the lift's a little bit later. Um, And then the Pantheon, which again is on the Latin Quarter, a magnificent building, absolutely stunning. Um, Just some of the things you should try and include when you go to Paris. You'll be running, though, to try and do all these. You won't have to have a second visit. (laughs) And then, of course, there's all the cafes you can sit around oh, on look, the it just, pavements yeah, and just and watch, watch the, the world, world go by. <laughs> exactly, Jane. We've both done that, I'm sure. And there's so many lovely little parks and gardens, too, that you can visit. You know, the Tuileries, of course, as we've mentioned, and the Jardin des Plantes, which is the, uh, the um, herbal and um, greenery garden. And that's beautiful, too. And it's, and it's expansive. Everything there, from herbs to trees to shrubs, you know, all sorts, any anything that you grow. It's it's a wonderful um, park, little, again, it's not really a park, it's a... Uh, it's like a, a museum. Yeah, it's got, it's got some animals in there as well, so it's, it's a part zoo, as you like, as well, because it does have animals in there as well, and that's fantastic. So there's lots to do. Time to take a look at the hot deals in the travel marketplace at the moment, Sally Lucas. What have you found? What have I found? Uh, Royal Caribbean, to start with, um, they've promoting this is from twilight years to highlight years savings for over 55s and why not savings of up to $400 per person on a range of local sailings and also this discount is combinable with another sale buy one get one half price so long as you book before the 30th of June so that's really lovely for someone who might not normally be able to maybe afford to do it. So I think that's great. Now, this is something really different, if you're into really different. Um, the Christmas Island Red Crab Migration. Oh, sounds good. Uh, you, you, you think you're in the middle of the David Attenborough documentary. I'm sure, I'm sure he's done a documentary on this. I'm, I'm sure he has. This is an event that occurs, one, occurs once a year, and you'll see a sea of red crabs that go all the way across from one side of the island to the other. The annual migration. You, you can't even walk on the road. It's absolutely chock-a-block with red crabs. But just something fascinating. Very there is a, a package from Perth that you can do with return flights, seven nights accommodation, car hire, an island orientation tour and a red crab spawning tour because that's what they, they're doing. That's why they migrate. Uh, that's just around about $2,000 ex-Perth. 
for that one because it's over, of course, beyond Western Australia. Now, if you're into planes, this is something I'd even love to do. It's um, for next year. It's a seven-day package with warbirds over Wanaka. Mm, that's that's such an event. Oh, such an event, and it's growing every year. And this includes six nights premium accommodation with full breakfast daily, three dinners. Um, you get your sightseeing excursions, entrance fees, etc., airport transfers, all of that, and, of course, a three-day Warbirds over Wanaka airshow with a gold pass mm-hmm. as well. And it includes also a trans-alpine train journey. So that's fantastic. That's March next year, and that a touch under $3,000 for that one. But that is really something very special. And some amazing New Zealand scenery there as well. Oh, beautiful part of New Zealand, the South Island, isn't it? I've got to get back there one day too, Jane. My bucket list keeps growing, I tell you. Never mind. Um, it's all fun. Now, for the ski enthusiasts, I know we're getting in early for Japan, but if you book by 30 June, they've got a range of fabulous packages available in Nisako, which includes accommodation, lift passes and transfers as well. And that's starting from around about $1,750 for your whole week's package, so that's certainly worthwhile. Um, Emirates has just um, revealed... Uh, just out of interest, the top 10 destinations in Europe for Australian travellers, according to people flying with them, of course. And it's London, Dublin, Rome and Madrid are the most popular. And, um, and including then Paris as well from the East Coast. And on the West Coast, it was Rome, London, Dublin and Manchester. So because of that, they've decided to introduce some competitive airfares, which started this week and go through to the 3rd of July. There will be certain block-out dates. You'll need to check with your travel agent. It's not available all year round. But they've got great economy class airfares from Sydney from starting from under $1,500 return to Dublin and business class from under about seven and a half thousand return into various European destinations as well. So keep that in mind. And they've also recently launched a daily A380 service into Zagreb in Croatia, which is great, which gets you over there if you're wanting to do that Croatian coast or sailing. It's a much quicker way of getting there now. So keep mm. that in mind. Um, now, there's a few other lovely things here, Jane, that I'd like to mention if I can. Mm. There's an Italy, Croatia and Greece uh, with a Norwegian star, that's a return fly cruise package. You get two nights in Milan, um, a rail journey from Milan to Venice, a night there, then seven nights on board the Norwegian star sailing from Venice to Rome via Dubrovnik, then Santorini, Olympia, Ciba de Vecchia is Rome, which is where you end up, and also Piraeus. So that's quite an interesting itinerary as well. And that departs 29 October this year, and that's also from under $3,000 for the whole package. So very good value for money. Christmas at sea. Now, some people might be thinking about what they want to do at Christmas, so that could be a nice option if you don't want to be at home particularly for Christmas this year. This is valid until the 31st of July. It departs on the 24th of December. It's an 18-night package. Return economy air to Hong Kong with Cathay, three nights in Hong Kong before the cruise, then a 14-night cruise on Celebrity Millennium, which is really interesting because you're going into a lot of ports within Vietnam and Taiwan, which is really both fascinating parts of the world then you get a night back in Hong Kong at the end before you fly home and that is from under five thousand dollars for the whole 18 night package so there's some great ones there Jane um 
There's another one, Croatia and the Greek Isles, and that's also a fly cruise package of 17 nights from under 5,000 that departs on 7 October. And another 18 night that gives you Christmas in Hong Kong, and it's actually cruising down into Thailand as well as Vietnam, so a little bit different, and Singapore. And that's also from under $5,000. So lots of Christmas options. Yeah, as usual, lots and lots of things. Lots and lots of things to do. And there's lots of good deals that are finishing on the 30th of June, so keep that in mind. It's only next week if you want to take advantage of some of these end of financial year savings. There's a whole range. There are far too many to mention, but just check with your travel agent and they'll be able to fill you in on what's available if you want to save some money. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.